first, there was the High Return Real Estate Show. Now, upgraded to the Higher Return Real Estate Show. Deeper insights, greater value. It's time to build your empire. What do the poor, the middle class, and the wealthy, what action do they take on payday? To set this up, a couple weekends ago, I was at a leadership development conference and this gal came up to me and she said, hey, I love your podcast. I listened to it. I, I just want to ask you a couple of questions because I'm having some financial problems. Right away, I mean, I pretty much already knew what was happening for her. So I said, okay. I said, great. I said, um, I'll be happy to help you. First question is, how much is your car payment? Oh, actually, I already knew what she made. She told me what she made. It was right around $3,000 to $3,500 a month. So I knew what her income was. And so I said, okay, great. I said, so what's your car payment? Car payment is $600 a month. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's your mortgage? $1,400. My parents somehow, I think, bought her house, but she has, she's responsible for paying the mortgage, which was $1,400 a month. And right next to her listening in on the conversation was her friend who she allows to stay there for free because her friend is having financial problems. <laughs> okay. Oh, you guys see where this is going, don't you? If you guys have studied or listened to my uh, podcast, maybe this is one of your first ones, then uh, I'm just going to set this up by saying, I believe that in personal finance, it's much more important to focus on making more money than it is to reduce your expenses. I believe that you're going to create wealth much faster if you think production is thinking. In other words, how can I create more value into the marketplace to increase my overall earning power? Because look, there's only so much that you can do to cut back. I mean, you, you can't cut back your way to wealth. If you reduce your spending, Okay, there's going to be a certain point at which that certainly makes sense. There's also a point at which it's going to put you into like misery mode, right? So you, like, I'm just not enjoying my life. I'm miserable. Fuck the wealth building thing, man. I, I just, uh, I don't, I'm not going to do it. This sucks, right? So we don't want to get ourselves to the point where we're completely miserable because we've cut back so much. We do need to, however look at things with a certain level of more emotional maturity and emotional intelligence. In terms of productionist versus reductionist thinking, with productionist thinking, your ability to increase more earning powers, not capped. There's really no limit to how much money that you're able to earn. I mean, money is simply an idea and it's predicated upon your own beliefs, philosophy, your increasing your knowledge and your skills, your ability to earn more money has a huge upside, right? It really isn't capped. Whereas the ability to reduce is capped. You can only reduce so much. So setting that up, I wanted to make sure you guys are clear. However, I do believe that if you're not responsible with the money that you do have coming in, like you're overspending, you are going to thwart your long-term wealth building plan because you're just Number one, you're proving to the universe that you're not a good steward. So the, the universe isn't going to bless you with more. The other part of that is that you simply have to create more investable dollars. And the only way to do that is your 
expenses need to be less than what you're making, right? That's the first law of creating wealth is that you need to live on less than what you earn. So this was the first thing that, you know, I attacked with this young lady. So I said, okay, great. So you're making 3,3500 a month. We know your car payment. We know your mortgage payment. The big three, right, is your home, your auto, and your taxes. So I really didn't want to go into a tax conversation with her because I knew these top two were a big, big problem. So here's what I said. I said, okay. I said, you got a car. Uh, you're paying $600 a month. I said, on top of that, you know, you got insurance and you got all the maintenance and everything. And I said, so your it appears to me that your desire to look good outweighs your desire to create wealth and to build some surplus money. And then I said, on top of that, I have no idea and can't comprehend how you're letting your friend who is standing right there. <laughs> I said, she's really nice. She's really sweet. However, she's not paying you. She's got to go. I said, you need to kick her out or she needs to start paying you. And then I looked at her and I said, so, so why are you not paying her? I said, you're taking advantage of your friend. I said, you've got to figure out a way to pay for the room and board that you're getting from your friend. Because I said, you're right now, you're taking advantage of her. Look, I said, how many bedrooms is your house? It was like, I think it was like at least three, maybe four. And I said, look, I said, you could rent, you only need one bedroom, right? I said, you could rent out all three of those other bedrooms and you could probably live there for free. At the worst case scenario, you know, instead of paying $1,400 a month out the door, never to get back, you know, you could probably get that down to, you know, get three people to give you $350 a month and bam, there's a thousand and you're only paying 400 bucks. That's a lot better situation. It was funny. The, uh, her friend was, was really quiet. Uh, she didn't, didn't get upset. I think she understood her decisions and the way she's taking advantage of her friend aren't that good. Anyways, there were two things going on, right? Number one, she was buying, she bought a car. She got involved with a car that she, her desire to look good outweighed any sort of rational, emotional intelligence to be able to cut back drive something that was more reasonable for her income level and prove that she could actually be a good steward with her money. So two big mistakes right there. Um, I told her, you know, you need to get rid of the car. You need to downgrade into a used car that has 100, 200,000 miles on it. Get a used foreign car that shows up well in the consumer reports that um, has a lot of high reliability and get a used car and just drive that thing until it's like, it cannot be driven any further. And then on top of that, you need to figure out a way to get money from people who are living with you and reduce your overall living payment, right? And her response was, well, you know, I got these, you know, right in the middle of this conversation is I got these, you know, I got financial problems, these things that happen. And I said, no, nothing Nothing has happened to you. You created your problems with your really poor decisions. So I said, look, I'm not here to beat you up. I know I'm being tough on you, but you are 100% responsible for your current financial predicament. 
and no one's going to come save you. You've got to make better decisions. You need to you need to cut back on these expenses, and you're you know certainly going to be a lot better off. Then I find out on top of that, you know, she uh, leases out a commercial location to run her business, and it was like three thousand dollars a month. I'm like, are you? are you crazy? Like, why are you taking on so much risk? I just, I don't understand this mode of thinking. I mean, our location and we make really good money is like 550 bucks a month that we rent out for our commercial business. So you really need to be careful about the situations that you put yourself in financially. The poor, the middle-class and the wealthy, what they do in these decisions really makes a huge difference. So Wealthy people, as you guys know, they take decidedly different actions than others. You know, we can chalk it up to luck, inheritance, specialized talents that they have, like a you know, athletic or musical acting talent. We can release ourselves from taking personal responsibility and building wealth like this young lady's doing. The vast majority of people who have built wealth, though, you know, they didn't do it with any of those special talents or luck. They did it with a process, you know, that's available to average people like you and me. And the most important thing to understand is that what decisions and therefore actions that we take when we earn money make all the difference in the world, right? What what we do on payday. So please keep in mind that the difference between these three groups only has to do with finances and it has absolutely nothing to do with their value to society, value as people, and value before God. No one is better than or worse than anyone else. My personal belief is when we start to think that we're better than others because we have more money, then that's the prelude to a personal crash. So with that disclaimer clear, let's take a look at what these three groups do on payday. And payday can be any event where income flows into your life, whether it be from a W-2 job, a 1099 contractor payment, a commission from a sale, profit from buying and selling a product, profit from uh, rental real estate, dividends, any you know income from an investment, okay? That is payday. Hey, thanks for supporting our show. If you wanna find great rental properties, that are not available to the general public, subscribe to our Insiders Club email list. Just head on over to highreturnrealestate.com and wait for the pop-up. So what do the poor do on payday? They go out and they buy stuff, okay? They buy stuff. If it's on sale, then that means it's a deal and they need to buy it. They will typically spend everything they have before their next paycheck even comes in, which gives them no margin for error if anything should go wrong. The poor are heavily invested into looking good. It's more important for them to outwardly to show money than it is to have inwardly the satisfaction of a growing net worth and a growing bank account. When the tire goes flat, you know, that costs 400 bucks that they don't have. This is incredibly, incredibly bad luck that they can't believe happened to them instead of a minor life event that's very routine and typical and is to be expected. The poor also gamble quite a bit. 
I gamble, okay, we, I think everybody's clear on that, but my gambling is limited to a very small percentage of my net worth, and it's also very responsible. I make sure that I'm playing the odds so that the odds are stacked in my favor. Uh, that's why I don't particularly like any casino games. I mean, you're not going to see me on ever on a slot machine, never bought a lottery ticket, I've never played Kino. These types of games with extreme odds stacked against you, that's their entertainment of choice for the poor. For me, you'll never see me playing any of those games ever. Uh, I've never done any uh, slot machines. I've, I put a few quarters in one time when I was probably in my 20s and I, I hated it. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. They're also very susceptible to predatory lending, You know, paying huge amounts towards higher interest loans. Um, they pretty much the paycheck cash advance type. Those are geared towards the poor. Designer jeans, you know, you'll often see them with, you know, expensive jeans that make them appear to look good. Lots of jewelry, Jordans, expensive shoes, you know, not to say that, that this is, again, this is just generally speaking, right? There's some wealthy that do some of these things in all three categories. So it's not a one size fits all type bucket that we're placing people into. Bottom line, okay, the poor on payday, they buy stuff. Now, what do the middle class do on payday? They buy liabilities. And we define a liability as something that costs you money. They may earn a very good income, but you know, income doesn't put you in the wealthy category. It puts you as a high earner, but it doesn't put you in the wealthy bucket. Because wealth is so much more than just the ability to earn money. So they buy the expensive car, they get a bigger house, they buy the boat, which is a hole in the water in which one pours money. My mom always told me that. Uh, my parents owned a boat for a long time, but uh, you know they were always very conservative about what they bought. They bought used, they bought something you know that was within their means, and that's just you know my dad. He wasn't a golfer, right? He didn't enjoy any type of outdoor activities like that. So boating was his hobby. That's his thing that he enjoyed to do. Uh, but still a liability, right? We still, I still saw how much money went out the door with that boat. You know, they get the snowmobile, the motorcycle, they take the expensive vacations, always got to remodel something, their basement or their kitchen, join the country club. And they rack up a monthly loan payment that eats up their entire paycheck as fast as it comes in. They'll take out a home equity line of credit Instead of utilizing that to buy an asset that just went on sale, for example, I have a home equity line of credit. When I have it, they are sitting there for opportunities as they come up. Hey, thanks for being a listener. To find great rental properties and become a more savvy investor, head on over to highreturnrealestate.com. If they earn, you know, if the middle class earns ten thousand per month, then they're going to have ten to twelve thousand in monthly expenses. It doesn't really matter that much if they get a raise or increase their sales; they will always raise their spending to match their income or slightly exceed it, which is called the lifestyle creep, right? I have cousins that here's the situation, you guys. Pretty sad. They earn five hundred thousand per year between the two of them. Some years, I think it was more than that. I mean, I don't have exact numbers, but I know it was at least 500K a year. They did that for 20 years. And yet, how do they possibly end up broke? Well, here's what they bought. They got the big house in their 20s. 
They got the lake house soon after that. They always went on the fanciest vacations, Aruba, and you know all these incredible exotic locations. Went to the nicest restaurants. They had to join the elite country club, you know, membership. Got the golf membership. Um, don't even think they even golf that much, but they had to have it because they bought their expensive home on the golf course. New expensive cars, you know, every two years. What do all these have in common? Their liabilities. So what if they had stayed in their starter home for an extra several years, rented a lake house for a week or two, meal prepped and cooked at home mostly, maybe go out once or twice a month, played the public golf course, and bought reliable used cars? Well, those are all the things that my wife and I have done. Okay. Even we were high earners, we were still doing. All of these things, we stayed in the, in the starter home, the smaller home that we were like, oh man, we're running out of space. This is getting tight. We want a bigger home. But we stayed in it for a few extra years to save up money that we could use to invest. We thought about buying a lake home, but then we're like, okay, we can just rent it for a couple of weeks. You know, we did all these things. You know, we, we, I played the public golf courses, didn't get the private membership, bought the reliable used car. So these are all the things that we did, right? And so then you, you take those savings and you buy rental property, quality stocks, invest into your own business, into private businesses, buy crypto, hire coaches. The story ends quite differently, right? My cousins would be multi, multi millionaires if they had done the things that I'm talking about, avoided the liabilities, and instead do what the wealthy do on payday, right? Which is the difference maker. They buy income. You, you can certainly buy income. And you know what I mean by buying income is they buy assets, which we define as something that pays you. And no, we're definitely not talking about your personal residence that doesn't pay you unless you also rent it out and it creates positive cash flow. The wealthy reinvest their money back into their own businesses to increase revenue and the income they can expect into the future. They buy cash flowing real estate, dividend stocks, bonds, private businesses, structure private money loans, mortgage-backed notes, alternatives like income-producing cryptocurrency. It's not that they don't spend money and buy large homes, you know, expensive cars, take amazing vacations, or buy expensive toys. They definitely do these things and you know they very much want to enjoy their money. I love spending money. I'm not like anybody else. I do love to buy really cool shit. <laughs> I love the Tesla. I love the big house. I love the awesome vacations. I love all that stuff. I don't enjoy spending the seed. I want to spend the harvest. In other words, I want my capital put to work generating additional income. And then I'll go out and get fucking stupid. When the Cleveland Indians played the Chicago Cubs back in the World Series about five years ago, it just popped up actually uh, on my Facebook timeline. So it's five years ago, like yesterday. I got a ticket behind first base for $4,500, right? Now that sounds really, really stupid. But I took the rental income from my property portfolio to fund it. In 2018, I played in the World Series of Poker main event. It was a lifelong dream that started back in my college dorm room days, playing quarters with my friends. 
That entry fee is $10,000. And certainly that's a terrible bet. As statistically, I had very little chance. And of course, I didn't win. You would have heard all about it. And you'd still be hearing about it. In fact, I got knocked out the first day. Oh, I was a terrible, terrible beat. Oh my God, it was so bad. I would have rather gotten a solid kick to the stomach. But, you know, I'm always going to treasure the experience and I'm going to give it a few more tries. When I turned 40, I threw not one, but a two night party. I brought in two different bands that we, one of them, which we flew in from Florida and an open bar, full apps. I mean, it cost over 15 grand to throw that weekend party. But we're still, we're actually talking about it. I talked about it this morning with my wife, how awesome it was. Cause we had a friend that, that just turned 40 and I was talking about reminiscing how much I loved it. And I'll always cherish that memory of that weekend, right? You know, another thing, our family takes at least two weekend ski trips each winter up north in Michigan to Boyne Mountain after hotel, lift tickets, rentals. You know, we get the lessons for the kids, resort food for the family for a four for three days. We routinely drop three to $4,000 for a weekend, right? All of these purchases certainly could be considered irresponsible, frivolous, excessive, but I don't regret any of them because the income from my investments paid for all of them. The income from my assets of what I did on payday, I protected the starting principal capital, I protected the seed, I didn't get frivolous, I didn't get excessive. And you know what? That money will be replenished in short order. So it's the order in which the wealthy do it. When payday hits, everybody looks forward to and gets a dopamine hit. You know, that's the feel-good chemical in your brain from buying more assets. I've trained my brain to get a dopamine hit from buying assets because I know they'll be able to get more and much better items, have more fun, take more trips, and have a much better lifestyle if I simply switch the timing of what I purchased. Think back, you know, I've talked about the Stanford marshmallow experiment with those cute little kids that They put in a room, they were given a marshmallow and told if they waited a few minutes and didn't eat it, that he'd bring them back another one, you know, essentially doubling their consumption by delaying gratification by a few minutes. This applies to us, you guys, in real life. So let's do what the wealthy do. Let's delay that gratification. Let's not let lifestyle creep take us over. And what I've seen happen personally is not a double kind of increase. Like it's not like a doubling of your, of your wealth. I've seen a triple, a quadruple. I've seen a 10 X compound effect where I can now consume exponentially more goods and services and things I want from the simple decisions and disciplines on payday. Hey, thanks for your support. If this episode was valuable to you, Then show us some love, subscribe, and take one minute of your time to leave us a review. This is how we get the word out to help more investors. And best of all, it's good for your karma. 